Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors who may be joining us on this Thanksgiving Eve service. Uh, the service this evening will be the service of evening prayers. It begins on page 243, and if you're not familiar with that service, it does begin with a procession, but that procession will begin after our opening hymn, uh, which at this time we will now sing. The Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 26. When you come into the land the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great mighty and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Please stand.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to invite the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who, has made, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, reality check. All that we have comes from the Lord our God. The world and everything in it belongs to God. Now, for a room full of Christians, such statements are not a surprise at all. We just kind of know this. This is how we've been taught. This is what we know from God's word. In fact, sometimes perhaps we take it for granted. But when we really ponder deeply what this means, that all that we have comes from the Lord our God, well, we begin to realize that that does mean all things, everything, even the air we breathe. In Psalm 24, King David tells us, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So also in Psalm 50, our Lord tells us, Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Now passages like these, along with the appointed readings, which we just heard minutes ago, are a fitting reminder. You are not God. You are not able to produce anything by simply willing it or speaking it into being. All we have comes from God. Therefore, it is fitting to give God thanks and praise for his many blessings. Now, notice, I did not say you must give thanks to God or else. As Christians, our thanks and praise are not given to God because he threatens us. Not at all. Our thanks and praise are given to God because we realize with the help of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Our forgiveness, life, and salvation in Christ, as well as our first article gifts and daily bread, such as our house, home, family, food, clothing, good weather, good neighbors, good government, and the like. Again, all we have comes from God. And the appointed readings tonight reveal this to us and also show us what it truly means to be thankful to God. As you'll see, Christian thankfulness has everything to do with realizing where our blessings come from and what God calls us to do with these blessings from his all-gracious hand. So, we're going to take a look at each of the readings tonight and we'll begin with the Old Testament reading. In Deuteronomy 26, Moses is speaking to the generation of Israel who is preparing to enter into the promised land. 
If you remember, this is not the original generation of Israelites that the Lord set free from Egypt. Thanks to the bad report from the spies who foresaw the promised land, those unfaithful people did not trust God to keep them safe, and therefore God turned the bus around. And they went back out into the wilderness for 40 years so that it would be their children who would be the ones to come into the promised land. Now, did you notice what God told his people in the first verse of the Old Testament reading? He said, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, God tells them when you come. In other words, even though you're not in the promised land yet, you will be. I will protect you. I will provide for you, says the Lord. Even as I have these 40 years in the wilderness provided food, that is manna and water. You see, when God says a thing is going to happen, it is as good as done. Notice then what follows after that. God gives his people instructions for the liturgy, the order of service at the tabernacle. In essence, God says, when I brought you out of the promised land, take some of your first fruits, put them in a basket, and go to church. Then when you get there, tell the priest, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest will take the basket and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. And this action of offering up the first fruits is a confession. God is faithful, and here is the proof in my hands that I return back to the Lord. I confess that God has done for me and for his chosen people exactly what he said he would. The Lord God is faithful and he is good. Now then notice what comes after that. The head of the household who offered up the first fruits is to confess the following. This is similar to a creed. A wandering Aramean, that would be Abraham, was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. Now notice that the basis for all of this is the generosity and undeserved kindness of God. You don't show up to the tabernacle going, hey God, look at how great I am. Here I am, bringing you my first fruits. Look how first fruity these are. These are so great. It's not about you. It's about the Lord's generosity to you, which we don't deserve, but he gives to us anyway. And then it continues, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. Thankfulness begins with the generosity and goodness of God. And who is it that benefits from God's generosity in this passage? The man, his whole house, the Levite priest serving at the tabernacle, and those traveling through Israel. God called all of his people to return to him some of the first fruits of his goodness, and the result is that many more were blessed. Rejoicing over God's goodness as his blessings overflow into the lives of your neighbors and then beyond. With this image etched in your minds, let's move then to the epistle lesson. 
So here's the immediate context. The Christians in Jerusalem, they're suffering. And St. Paul is gathering an offering from the Gentile Christians in order to support and to bless those who are suffering in Jerusalem. It's a case of Christians helping Christians, God's family helping God's family. Nevertheless, St. Paul's teaching here transcends just this offering for Jerusalem. He teaches us about God's generosity and what Christian thankfulness looks like. We are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. St. Paul writes, he even says it point blank, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now sadly, this beautiful passage has been, well, often used as a bludgeon for getting people to hand over their money to the church. And while it is true that this passage is about stewardship and about generosity, it is rooted in God's generosity toward us in Christ Jesus, which then prompts God's children to give out of cheerful thankfulness, not compulsion. By the way, did you notice the alls in verse 8? Those are kind of a big deal. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's like he's just pouring it on. God keeps giving until it overflows. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Our thankfulness and generosity are rooted in God's generosity and goodness in Christ Jesus our Lord who was given us the perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross so that he might make us poor, lowly sinners, heirs of the riches of heaven. Let's hear the rest of what St. Paul says. Pointing us to our all-gracious God, he writes, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So just how does this giving that they're going to do bless others, or not only bless others, but also glorify God? By their approval, he says, that is those Christians in Jerusalem who will receive this gift, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Notice the connection to the gospel. The giving of worldly treasures is directly connected to confessing the gospel of Christ crucified. As God's redeemed people bought with the blood of Jesus, we recognize that God the Father gave his greatest treasure for us, his only begotten Son. Out of thankfulness for all that God has done for us, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving, and our lives show forth this thanksgiving, this thankfulness, as we love and serve our neighbors with the blessings that God has given us. Our giving 
is not limited to money. Honestly, it'd be narrow-minded for us to think in this way, for stewardship is about our whole life in Christ, not just money. Just as God gave us his whole self for our salvation, we as his people are called to give of ourselves completely in love and service to our neighbors. We are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. All we have comes from God. Therefore, out of thankfulness for all that our Heavenly Father has, has given, let us love our neighbors by providing for their bodily needs and also telling them of Jesus, caring for the whole person, body, and soul. If there's a physical need that we can meet, then meet it. Take care of them. But along with that physical blessing, tell them of Jesus, because his forgiveness and salvation are what is most needful for eternity. Now, last but not least, we come to the gospel lesson. And here, by way of a parable, Jesus warns us to be on guard against covetousness, which is idolatry. As he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's kind of fitting coming two days from Black Friday. <laughs> uh, in the parable, we meet a rich man, a farmer whose land produced plentifully. In fact, the harvest was so good that there wasn't room for it all. Thanks be to God. Now, to solve this problem, the rich man decides to tear down his barns and build bigger ones. This is a logical solution to his problem, right? So, what's the issue? Well, in verse 19, we learn the man's motivation. And that's, that's the thing that unlocks it. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The rich man's sin is idolatry. He feared, loved, and trusted in himself and his possessions above all things. The Lord God blessed this man abundantly, and the rich man in turn worshipped his abundant wealth rather than the God who gave him that wealth. See, the problem wasn't money. It wasn't then, and it's not now. God did not need this man's money. It belonged to God anyway. The problem was the man's heart. In sinful unbelief, the man's heart was turned away from God and from his neighbors. He only cared about himself, and he sought to worship himself by worldly pleasures. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. What was God's response to the man's idolatry? Fool. This night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? In his parable, Jesus teaches us about Christian thankfulness by way of negative example. The rich man was the opposite of thankful. He was covetous, greedy, and selfish, seeking only to serve himself. Christian thankfulness sees the gifts of God, gives him thanks and praise, and then cheerfully seeks to love and serve the neighbor out of the abundance of God's generosity. So dear Christians, on this Thanksgiving Eve, take stock of all that the Lord has given you, if you can, as the same feeling to it of Abraham, count the stars if you can. Who could possibly count all the blessings that God has given to them? But if you need help, grab a copy of Luther's small catechism and look to the creed and its meanings and to the Lord's prayer and its teaching on daily bread. If reflecting on what it means to be thankful has caused your sinful nature to rise up within you and scoff at God's word, then remember your baptism and drown the old Adam. When God calls us to deeper thankfulness, 
and more faithful stewardship of his good gifts, it can and sometimes does cause our sinful nature to cling all the more tightly to our worldly treasures and loosen our grip on God's promises in Christ. If that's you tonight, repent. Everything good you have in your life is from God, despite your sinfulness. Instead of disparaging God's goodness like the unfaithful Israelites in the Old Testament or the rich man in Jesus' parable, repent and rest in God's loving kindness in Christ our Savior. You see, in divine love, our Lord Jesus gave up the riches and glory of heaven itself, which we cannot even comprehend. And he took on human flesh and came to the filthy, sin-corrupted slum of this world in order to purchase your salvation, to win you back, not just with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death on the cross. And why? Why would he do such a thing? So he could forgive you, set you free, and lift you up to the very heights of heaven itself so that you can be with him forever because God actually wants that. He wants you to be with him forever and has moved heaven and earth to make it so, even to the draining of his blood on the cross, whereby you would be saved for his payment for sin. He chose you, a poor, miserable sinner, and he set you apart as his own in holy baptism. He placed his name on you. You are God's precious possession whom he loves. And while you wander through the wilderness of this world, he speaks tenderly to you in his word, forgiving you when you come in repentance, and he feeds you with manna from heaven, his very own risen and glorified body and blood in and under bread and wine. And he does this in order to strengthen you, to sustain you, and to bring you to his blessed promised land with him and all his chosen saints. Because he wants to be with you. And on that day, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall say, I declare today to the Lord my God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. By your grace and mercy, O Lord, you have brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to his redeemed saints who are among you forever. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, again, a warm welcome to you all on this uh, cool night which the Lord has given to us. God's richest blessings as you go into this uh, day of thanksgiving tomorrow, remembering that all we have comes from the Lord our God. He just continues to pour out his gracious blessings upon us, uh, not the least of which, in fact, the chief of which is Christ Jesus, our Savior, and his forgiveness, life, and salvation that he just continues to lavish on us each and every day in his church, in his word and sacrament. So with that, uh, thanks be to God, and God's peace be with you as you go into the day tomorrow. I'll greet you at the door.